seconds off. Blog Talk yeah. Radio. There we go. All right. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellarmaster, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people on trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> And another week on All About Wine. Yeah, it was awesome. Welcome to the show. Uh, And it looks like we're not on Mixer this week. I did not see that option available, actually. When I uh, connected through a stream provider, it's not on there anymore. So I don't know what what their deal is, but it is Hmm. not even, uh, yeah, nothing. Huh. Not even listed anymore. So, wow. Sorry about that. Mixer, what happened? Did they close down? <laughs> I'm going to have to check and log in and see what's going on there. Um, but we are on uh, Twitch, we're on Facebook, and we are on Blog Talk Radio and uh, Mob Crush, it looks like. And uh, welcome to the show. It is Thursday, July something, and uh, we're here. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, 23rd, what my computer Third. says. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I'll, I'll yeah. agree. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who cares? It's just, I concur. We know it's, know it's Thursday because we're on, so that's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, uh, yeah, we're on Facebook. Good. So the, see the video feed on that? Always have to check, seems like. Always um, have to check. Yeah. I had a little problem trying to get out to it, so... Yeah. Welcome yeah, everyone right. out there who is listening, or if you are in archive, uh, we're getting a few people popping up, joining us, and all that. I've noticed that I've been checking through the week, and we're getting some new listeners, mm-hmm. and we're getting some new members to our Facebook page and stuff. So, thanks, welcome. We, yeah, and we do appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, and both of those are at uh, All About Wine BTR. So you go to Facebook.com or Twitter.com and uh, forward slash All About Wine BTR. Do it. Do it now. Operators are standing by. Standing by. I appreciate it. Not on Mixture, though, I guess, because Mixture's not out there. Hmm. Yeah, it's not even, not even an option. Yeah. Wow. We're probably up so, if so if you're listening to us on Mixture, then. Well, I guess you're not, so that's not, not going to happen. Yeah. Well, we uh, don't have a guest this week. We had one last week. Very interesting, too, uh, biodynamics and about uh, organic and all that stuff. And that was it was a, a good conversation. I enjoyed that last week. Uh, but uh, we don't have a, a guest this week, but we do have some things to tell you about, and I also got an email uh, for a guest coming up, uh, well, I don't know how soon here, but uh, it's from uh, Sculptura Winery and Sculpture Garden in Paso Ropos, California, and it should be interesting, should be fun. I'll get a hold of him and go on. Uh, This is... uh, uh, in yeah, Paso Ropos wine country, it uh, he said uh, they work a lot with art, and so it's uh, the sculptura was created by Dr. Warren Frankel, and it was to, it's a place to uh, be for everyone to come and enjoy the beauty of wine and art together, and he's commissioned artists and all that, so it should be interesting. I'll. Uh, uh, get a hold of him and 
see when we get him scheduled on the show. So it uh, hopefully in next week or so, a weeks we'll have uh, who they say the well, I guess Dr. Warren Franklin himself. So we'll see. But I, I've got that there, and we'll see. Uh, I'll respond. I just got this in a couple of hours ago, so I haven't had a chance to get in touch with them and set up any plans, but just a little tease there. We got that coming up in, in the future here. We have, uh, oh, geez, I don't want to do that. Let me go back to this. We have some wineries that are doing stuff. Every time we can find wineries doing stuff with this COVID-19, that's a good thing. And there are wineries out there that are really trying to get back on their feet and try doing it. We do have our favorite ones out there, the ones that send me the emails, and I share it with you. Actually, this is Mike and I were talking. We we do all this information and all this stuff for these wineries for free. And uh, we, you know, it's like free advertising. And so if you wanted in, we thinking about charging, but if you get in, before we start charging, give me your emails. I will grandfather you in, and I'll still announce you. But once we start getting on the bandwagon so we can start paying for our cost on this show, then we might not be able to do that. So a word to the wise, a word warning out there for all of you who have a winery who are listening to us, and you want to have information listed, then send me an email. Tablas Creek Vineyards, their newsletter, their Tablas Creek blog, always interesting, always fun. Info at tablas, T-A-B-L-A-S, creek.com. Interesting stuff on that. I, I always enjoy that every week. Uh, they have uh, new new wines coming out, new tasting notes. They have uh, a collector's edition shipment that they have available now. That is uh, quite diverse. Uh, two bottles of, uh, uh, let's see, uh, two bottles of 2012 Esprit de Tablas, one bottle of 2014 Esprit de Tablas Blanc, three bottles of 2018 Esprit de Tablas. They got different ones that are out there now that are available. So you need to get a hold of them if you're interested in some of these older ones. But at 2012, geez. So, uh, Tablas Creek Vineyard. Again, it's info at tabluscreek.com. And Amazing Grace Winery, Vineyard and Winery is actually actually uh, how they're listed and they are located in Chasey, New York uh, Route 9, Chasey, New York they are having a takeout, dine-in and dine-out menu coming up on this weekend, actually starting tomorrow and going through Sunday salads uh and appetizer salads are uh, going from five dollars to eleven, or to serve with a roll, five dollars to thirteen dollars. They have appetizers ranging from seven to thirteen. Uh, entrees uh, they have gluten free available. Also, uh, they have uh, egg parmesan, Mary's pot roast. Uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, four or five different items on their menu here for your uh, entrees. And they have desserts, ice cream sundaes, cheesecake, different things. This is going to be Friday and Saturday from 12 to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 4 to 8 p.m. Reservations are required. They're limited, as is everyone now in their seating. So, if you're in New York, Chazzy, New York, 518-215-4044 is their phone number. Give them a call if you'd like to run up there and 
take, uh, do a, a dine-in or a dine-out side or take-out. It is available at Amazing Grace Vineyard and Winery this weekend. And we have Castle Ridge. They are located in Iowa at uh, Layton, Layton, Iowa. And they're open back up for tastings, although very limited number of people can come in. They have to watch the number of people inside. And they say that masks are required in the winery and tasting room. Uh, food service is not available at the winery at this time, but you can get anything to go there. They have tours available still, the vineyard tours, they have the winery tours, they have the taste room open, all sorts of stuff available there. Gift certificates, always available. And they have uh, was a new release I thought I saw here. No, Idlewise, no, it's not a new release, but it's just just out. They just bottled this last year, so the Idlewise, uh semi-sweet white wine. So, if you are in southeastern Iowa, southeast of Des Moines, uh, which is the capital and center of the state, basically, Castle Ridge Winery, they're located in Lytton. Uh, their phone number is not on this, so I can't give you the phone number. But you can get a hold of them by going to Tassel Ridge Winery or info at tasselridge.com and find out more information. Uh, nice one. You're nice, nice people there. And we have, I know we have another one. Where is it? Well, maybe it's back here. Yes, Whispering Oaks, our friend here in Florida, up in northern Florida, east of, Gainesville, that area there. They are located at uh, in a little town called Oxford uh, off of County Road 475, which is not too far off of I-75 heading south on or heading north on in, in Florida there. So they're in a good spot there. They are open for live music all summer long. The music this weekend, the 24th, 25th, and 26th, they have uh, groups coming in uh, to, to play. Again, limited seating, but they are available uh, thir- uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 24th, yeah, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In fact, they have two of them Saturday. They got uh, one from 1 to 4 and another one from 6 to 9 on Saturday, and they have a meal, as they always do there, lots of out, uh, a room outside, so there's not a big problem. They do have indoor dining, but there is room outside for dining, too, and the social distancing, as is required. They have a big gazebo-type set up there so you can sit out there so you're not going to be right underneath the hot sun. They also have steak night. Uh, they're starting that back up again. Twenty nine fifty per person uh, plus tax, gratuity, and any alcohol. And if you're at the winery, of course you're going to want alcohol. So it's all the, all the fixings, as they say, with the steak night. And so that's at Whispering Oaks Winery, 352-748-0449, if you want to get a hold of them. And they do that every weekend. I mean, if you miss them this weekend for any reason, then you can do it. But they are open again. All these ones I'm telling you about here are open again, which is a cool thing. They're open and doing that. They've opened up the wineries here. As long as everybody does their social distancing, as long as everybody does their proper thing, then it is uh, good for business there. But uh, Florida is hurting, as is a lot of other places, for business and for revenue because of the COVID-19. 
TTB, Trade and Tobacco Bureau. I talked about them a whole bunch. And they have two new wines, well, grape variety names, as designations on American wine labels that have been approved, which is always interesting. Now, they they got quite a few of them. It's amazing the number that are approved. We only see a few of them out there on the shelves and stuff. But there are a lot of them. But these are two new ones that have just been approved uh, for wine labels. One of them is Mortua. or Mortu, M-O-U-R-T-A-O-U, Artur. It's a synonym for Cabernet Pfeiffer, or Pfeffer, P-F-E-F-F-E-R, Cabernet Pfeffer. I've never heard that one either, Cabernet Pfeffer, but uh, Mortu, Toa. And then the other one is Trexadura, T R. D-I-X-A-D-U-R-A, Trexadura. It states, wine bottlers may use these names as well as other names granted uh, administrative approval to label American wines pending the results of future rulemaking to revise the list found on, and it gives a legal thing, of great variety names approved for use in designating American wines. And they have a a big old list of names that are legal for American wines. But those are the two newest ones that if you ever see them on the shelf and those are just been approved. The list of names approved for American wine is long and strange (laughs) to say the least. Uh, The following Grape names have been approved by them over the years, and this give you a couple of them that stand out. By George, B Y G E R G, by George is one that has been approved. Uh, Rose of Peru is another one that has been approved to go in a bottle. Jupiter. Uh, just just a whole bunch of strange ones. East Spirit, a bunch of strange ones. Geneva Red. So, Mustang, there's another one I just saw. Go to tgb.gov and click on the wine section, and you can check out those different names there if you want to just shake your head. I've, I've never seen any of these. Maybe it's just a little small wineries that want to get it approved. They get it approved, and... It's just local, and they put on their labels, and that's all we ever see of it. So, all right. Uh, let's see. This is sculpture, and let's see if there's anything on this I need to tell you about. No, there isn't. So let's go back to this here. We have a few things to tell you about tonight and a few things to talk about. Uh, Let me see. This is, uh, well, where is it? Uh, Oh, here it is. Okay. First one here is news that just came out today, but this is interesting. There's eight ways COVID-19 is changing U.S. wine drinking habits. And this is a list compiled by BeverageDaily.com, a website that uh, obviously is is on, uh, comes out of beverage. It's not just about wine, it's about spirits and all sorts of alcoholic beverages. But it says consumers are spending more or less on wine. Uh, will e- e-commerce increase or decrease in popularity when this clears up? Uh, they don't know. It's it's all up in the air. But they have compiled eight things that they have noticed so far in wine drinking that has been affected by COVID-19. Number one, more wine drinking occasions at home, which makes sense. 
Regular wine drinkers increase their average drinking during the lockdowns. In October of 2019, it was reported that 9.3 times a month uh, consuming wine at home, 9.3 times a month, whereas during March 2020 lockdowns, lockdown, this rose to 9.7 times a month. And the biggest gains for wine came in casual drinking, uh, catching up with family and friends online or by the phone, and drinking wine with meals more so, especially with lunch as opposed to not before, which makes sense because you're home not at work, so you will have yourself a lunch and you'll have wine with that. So that does make some sense there. So more at home drinking. Purchases are up, which I saw a report that said it wasn't. Drinking is down, but this one says purchases are up. Uh, Non-alcoholic beverages and beer, wine has benefited along with those uh, with increased off-trade purchases during the March-April time period. Uh, not reaching the levels of bottled water or soft drinks, they did see an increase in purchases. Uh, wine drinkers in Florida and California particularly increased their wine buying habits. All right, Cal- uh, Florida, stay right in there. Florida is usually a pretty big wine drinker anyway for a state. It's it's usually right up there at the top. And they're spending less. Reduce the typical amount spent on wine. Uh, younger and more involved wine drinkers already spending at a higher end, but this lockdown has cut back on the amount that's being spent. So the actual price has dropped on average per bottle spent as opposed to before the lockdown. But there's been more online purchases. Yeah. Because of lockdown restrictions, it has dramatically increased among U.S. wine drinkers. Uh, They're shopping more online, and not just directly from wine sources, but also from supermarkets and superstores, Target, Walmart, wine shops, and liquor stores also, but they're doing it from all of them. And it's showing that Gen X is leading the way in purchasing online. Gen X seems to be more computer ready, so I can understand that too. They said that 30% of respondents to the survey said they would probably continue to be buying online once the restrictions have passed. And 20% said they would be less likely to shop online. So it, it will continue to increase sales. The sales are online. This is where it's happening, it seems. And more U.S. wine is being bought. Uh, Most consumers stay loyal to the existing country of origin, domestically produced wines, wines in the United States, have gained substantially in sales compared to Italy and France, which is surprising. I guess people are trying more. That could be a reflection of the cost, too. It doesn't state that on this survey, but it's just an observation on my part. Typically, French and Italian wines will cost a little bit more than domestic wines. And so if people are switching more to domestic wines, it will show that the cost of the overall products has gone down. So therefore, they're spending less. I'm surprised they didn't come to that conclusion themselves on this. Of those surveyed, 75 to 80 percent have not changed how they shop and uh, purchasing during the uh, lockdown. 18 percent, they were actively buying more California wine. And 13 percent said they were actively buying more wine from across the United States. 20 percent also said they were buying less from France, Italy, and Spain. So that's good for the United States. Let's, Let's keep Keep that wine money here in the States if you can. I think that's a better idea. Fewer plans for future social occasions. The people that they surveyed on this said that they have reduced socializing and they're looking at doing so in the future. So that they, uh, 20% of consumers said they were more likely to socialize, which uh, 40% said they were less likely to host a party or go to a party. 
And once this is passed, they continue to hold that thought. They're not going to be going to parties or having parties for a while yet. So the future of wine parties is going to be less. How much, we don't know yet, but it will be less. Fewer plans for travel and events. 20% of U.S. wine drinkers said they're more likely to go to events, sports, and travel in the future. This was outweighed by around 40% who said they were less likely to do these types of activities. Of note, 46% who say they are less likely to go on vacation abroad. You're not going to jump on a cruise ship or on a plane and go over to any other country. It's going to be domestic for a while, it looks like. And saving or spending. U.S. wine drinkers state that spending less and boosting savings are a much higher priority in the future. Although a quarter of them think that treating themselves to better quality wine will also be a priority once this passes and they'll be able to get back to some semblance of a normal lifestyle, they're going to treat themselves to better quality. Future savings is a greater priority among Gen Z consumers. That's that's the younger younger ones. And this data came from Wine Intelligence Open Source US. It was the report was entitled COVID nineteen impact report issue number one from May 2000, originally updated July 2020. So just updated this month, just recently. So those are eight things that the COVID has shown to affect. Last week, we talked to Rudy about biodynamic wines and organic wines. And he was very, very informative. It was such a, a a good conversation. I enjoyed it tremendously, and it was very informative. I saw this article here. It's out of Decanter magazine, which is a British wine magazine, and it's t- about the effect of the carbon footprint on vineyards that are organic and biodynamic. Says winemakers from Burgundy, Austria, Portugal, and California debated the complex issues around sustainable, organic, and biodynamic viticulture at a recent climate talk. And the article goes into the effect of all of these organic versus biodynamic, with each of these winemakers practicing these types. There's uh, 35 different vineyards that fall somewhere in the spectrum of sustainability, but a uh, Stan Zervis, who is a Silverado Farming Company in Napa Valley, says that his personal bias is toward organic. He says it's a large switch from sustainability to a conventional uh, or conventional farming to organic. And he thinks the carbon footprint really is a big shift for that. When I started working, we are already starting, uh, the venues were already starting to go biodynamic. And they said that the biggest shift is giving up herbicides. There's better soil structure, more moisture, and more organic content. Uh, they just look more alive, uh, the soil does, when you go biodynamic. Uh, they also said the Increase in labor that comes with converting to organic or biodynamic practices can create a higher carbon footprint, which is odd to say that. But they say some people claim that to run vineyard organically, you have to significantly increase the use of tractors to spray and manage weeds, and therefore there's more negative impact on your carbon footprint from the increase in fuel use. If you use a herbicide, you spray at one time and you're done for the year. But I don't think there's a really good calculation of the carbon imprint of the different farming methods. 
uh, question is asked, are calculations taking into consideration the fact that you've killed the soil and are no longer absorbing carbon monoxide out of the environment, which is the point for standard vineyards as opposed to the organic or biodynamic. Zervis again says, we've been really trying to do carbon budgets for some of our vineyards, and it's pretty interesting how much carbon is sequestered in organic manner. So yes, the tractor passes, but you can do the math. If you can up the soil organic matter by half a percent or a full percent, you have actually sequestered more carbon than you expanded by the tractor, which makes sense. And it goes on to talk about how other types of things are taken out of the soil uh, that uh, when you don't do the biodynamic or organic, just uh, the sustainability and, and uh, other less, well, types of agriculture. And it said that the amount that you are putting back into the soil and the way the soil is being treated it is much more sustainable and much better for the soil than it is if you use the others. You're not expanding more of the good stuff out of the soil. So the question is, what is the carbon footprint? It's almost neg negligible. Uh, they have five different organizations that will do sustainable certification. Uh, they're all quite similar. Which one? Which one do you do? It says uh, service again. Says I don't know, but I think if you're going to use the word sustainable in marketing and sales and promoting to the general public, there should be a standard. And I'd love to see an international standard. I'm a little skeptical we can get there, but I guess it's possible. Well, actually, it is possible because we just learned last week that the organic organization and the are not organic. The two different organizations that do biodynamic are joining together and putting a, a national standard there. So that is a good step in the right direction in that aspect. Certification is important. They say maybe in 50 years everyone will be working biodynamic and then it's not necessary to have certifications. Again, like Rudy said last week, we need to educate the people on biodynamic so they know what it is. So they know that it is leaving little or no carbon footprint in the manufacture in the growing of the grapes. And then when you get into the vineyard, minimal handling, so therefore it becomes minimal amount of a carbon footprint, which with what's happening with the soils and the skies and uh, everything now the less we can put in the soil and in the atmosphere and all that the better it is so bottom we'll have carbon footprint to answer the question do organics and biodynamics effective in your carbon footprint very little it pretty much balances out and biodynamic even less of a carbon footprint that caught my eye because of last week talking to Rudy about the uh, carbon footprint. There's something that I thought was interesting. We talked about wine in a can uh, a few weeks ago and different types and all that. And we've, uh, Mike said he saw some and tried one and stuff like this. And I saw this and I thought, Wow, that that maybe we won't have wine in the can. Uh, there is a shortage of the aluminum can. You say what? Yes, the supply problem is prompting brewers like Molson and Tap, uh, which is Brooklyn Brewery, and Carl Strauss to cut back on the breadth of their brands and to sell what they have out of stock and a lot of them are switching. Why? Oh, I hate this website. I, I like this website. It's a CNN business website and 
but they keep doing drop boxes, like dropping stuff in front of what I'm trying to read and look at, and, and you know, even when I'm trying to just sit there and read the article, I'm always having to click around and I just ah, drive me crazy. CNN business website, but but it's prompting everyone makes anything that goes in a 12 ounce can is being challenged to some respect says uh, the uh, Molson Coors spokesperson says one major factor is the coronavirus and the changing habits related to it so here's something else we can contribute to the COVID-19 oh no where are you Jeff I want to turn you off I can't find you okay no I can't find you he popped in there and started to talk. I don't know what he's going to talk about. But there he goes again. Okay, there we go right there. That's I found where he was. Uh, Jeffrey, we don't want to hear you. And I think we're going to shut up, Jeffrey. Okay, if he mute, I hope he's muted. Okay, uh, he should be. All right, sorry about that. Again, it's the site here that drives me nuts. They do stuff like that. One major factor is the coronavirus and changing habits relationship. Beer that would have ended up in kegs at restaurants and bars has shifted along with other kinds of alcohol to being sold in retail stores and through online channels and consumed at home, often in cans. So if you look at it that way, you say, well, yeah, that makes sense. They're no longer selling uh, you know, bars. You don't walk into a bar and say, what do you have on tap? Give me a glass. Now it's I got to go out and buy some beer, and so you usually pick up a, a six-pack, 12-pack. I don't know if they're in. I think it's four packs. I just realized I'm not a big beer buyer, but I think it's a four packs and 12 packs is what they sell now. But the boom in pantry loading in the spring has compounded the problem by throwing brewer supply chains out of whack. Demand for cans was already strong before the pandemic, especially with wineries wanting cans for their use. And then they came out with uh, new things like hard seltzer, which is another big trend. Beer sold in cans accounted for 50% of all beer sold in 2010. It's up to 60% in 2019. And they said it's it's jumping up even higher than that this year because of uh, COVID-19. The fever for drinks like uh, hard seltzer which comes in a variety of slim 12-ounce cans, is also very, very popular. You can go and look and see a bunch of hard seltzers for sale in stores and wine shops and all that now. That's something you didn't see too long ago. So there's another thing where cans are being used. Uh, The surging demand for cans, they're saying, is unprecedented prompting U.S. manufacturers to take an unusual step of importing billions of empty cans from overseas. Uh, Cans uh, are being shipped to uh, Colorado-based Ball Corporation and Pennsylvania-based Crown Holdings and adding to these lines. And they're also making new facilities in the United States. Uh, Can supply is expected to continue to grow, too. So it's not it's hitting a peak right now because of the COVID and people are buying more and more stuff using cans inside, but they expect it to continue to grow because of the increase of the beer sales and the variety of beer and the variety of hard seltzer and the amount of wine in cans, and which has really increased a lot too. It's added a bunch to the, market uh, that's taken out so it's made a big difference the wine in cans uh, and everything else cans are becoming well 
for running out aluminum cans. So there's something else you can add to the list along with toilet paper and paper towels, uh, aluminum cans. Okay, yeah, I, why I just, that site drives me nuts. Every time I use that site, it drives me nuts. Okay. Um, all right, here's another one I'm going to say. This struck me. It's not really wine, but it is because wine is part of this. And we're all about wine. But I saw this, and this just it just struck me uh, as research. This is from uh, Restaurant Dive. Uh uh, website. New research from Yelp shows that as of June 15th, there were nearly 140,000 total business closures on the website since March 1st. When compared to similar research released in April, which showed more than 175,000 business closures, these latest numbers indicate that more than 20% of businesses closed in April have opened. Okay. In March, restaurants had the highest number of business closures listed on the app compared to other industries, and the rate of closures has remained high. Of the businesses that closed, 17% are restaurants, and 53% of those restaurants closures are indicated as permanent. Retail, however, is the hardest hit overall, and we know that. We've heard that. During the peak of the pandemic, the number of diners seated across Yelp reservations and wait lists dropped essentially to zero. In early June, numbers of diners seated are down 57% of pre-pandemic levels, which they're saying that 53% of restaurants closed amid coronavirus will be permanently closed. And it's not just small ones. The National Restaurant Association, 15% could close yet over what's already been closed. We're getting closures from Mall Street Tomatoes is one that comes to mind right away. Uh, I, I was always a big fan of Sweet Tomatoes, and that's closed down now. Uh, their uh, number of states... Uh, a release uh, out of New Jersey, New York, and California, among them, have delayed or reclosed some or all of the restaurants. The uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, searches for cuisine that were popular during the past three months have begun to wane. Pizza is down 28%, Chinese down 26%, fast food down 18%. But the restaurants, a lot of the sit-down restaurants are closing down because they have not been able to sustain it through this. They count on daily business to run it, and they have lost that business, and they couldn't sustain it through it. Even with bailouts and everything else that might be available out there, it has just not happened, which in whole pictures costing jobs and everything that's associated with it. It's sad. It's a sad situation. That's why I say again, once your favorite restaurant starts opening, once your favorite places start opening, patronize them some way or another. Call them up and say, prepare a takeout meal for me. But patronize them some way or another because it's a sad situation out there. So, and let's see. Uh, I uh, let's see. Oh, this next one here. Oh, I, I, I this is long, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it a little bit with you. Complexity. This wine is complex. You sure? I, I'm sure you've heard that. But what does it mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you really want to show off when you're doing a tasting, swirl the wine in the glass, smell it, sip it, and say, oh, very complex wine. Or 
lovely complexity. And people around you will nod and agree with you because they don't know anymore what complexity means than you do. So what is complexity? Uh, a wine that has layers of flavor is complex. A wine that develops on the palate can be called complex. A wine that doesn't just have one flavor all the way through is looked at as complex. A different notes emerge uh, when you first put it in your mouth and as the finish comes through, you're picking up different things. And these, these are things that make a wine complex. Uh, great wine is complex. It's always going to be. Good wine is complex. Simple wine, cheap wine, and I'll say it, cheap wine is usually not complex. You're not going to find complexity in wines that you're spending $15 or less on because it's just not going to happen. I'm not saying it's not they're not good. I'm just saying they're not complex. Uh, over-oaked, uh, over-alcoholic wines uh, are not usually not complex. A lot of times a winemaker will add oak to try to make a wine seem complex. But that doesn't make a wine complex. So one thing that does is the grape. And grapes will make a difference. Some grapes are much more complex than others. Cabernet Sauvignon tends to lean toward being more complex than, say, um, uh, well, uh, Grenache are uh, uh, a lesser grape. The, the the noble grapes, the list of uh, white and red noble grapes, are usually always complex. Uh, the Riesling is going to be complex, and Mueller Thurgau is not as complex usually. It's... Uh, a uh, Gruner Veltliner is not as complex as a Riesling. Sauvignon Blanc usually generally is not very complex. Uh, might be why it's popular. Gamay is not as complex as, say, a Pinot Noir. So the grape has a difference, makes a difference. Another thing that makes a difference is the terroir, the land. Obviously, you say that makes a lot of sense, but it does a lot more than what you really understand what's in the land, what the land gives to that grape really does add some complexities. Now, you can have the best land in the world and put in a lesser grape than, uh, let's say, Gamay again, which, you know, Gamay is use as uh, a, a filler, it's not really a uh, uh, noble grape. It's, it's used as uh, one to stretch out wines a little bit. And in itself, is not really a, a great wine. It's good. I enjoy a Gamay, but it's light and it's fruity, and that's what it's made for. Not really complex. So you can plant a gamay into beautiful soil, and you're you're going to increase the grapes' appeal, but not a lot as if you would put in a uh, one of the noble grapes, uh, Merlot or Cabernet or something like that. And you can also likewise put to social soil and you're not going to get the complexities that you normally would. Pinot Noir and it's varied mutations and stuff and that's something else that Rudy mentioned last week was, was it Rudy? Yeah, really so about the mutations of Pinot Noir and all the different genetic variety in Pinot Noir and this article said that over a number of years, the clones tend to adapt to becoming less clone-like and becoming Pinot Noirs. I don't know. This is what they're saying here. Uh, so 
these all these things play into complexity, as does one other thing, the yeast. Wild yeast, which is found on grapes, and a lot of wineries use wild yeast. They just let them leave the yeast on the grapes, and they ferment with that, using the wild yeast. Now, this is a little bit risky because sometimes the wild yeast is not up to the standards that they want, but uh, it gives a interesting result every time. A lot of wineries kill the wild yeast and then put in the uh, natural uh, the uh, uh, I can't think of my words here for the yeast but they put in the yeast that's going to give them the complexity they want. Is that there we go? Uh, it's going to give them the complexity they want uh, by adding their own yeast. Is uh, the different strains is going to give them a uh, more aromatic and more oh, a fruitiness and different different profiles that they're looking for to bring out, which will make it more complex. So oak doesn't automatically make a wine more complex. It just makes it oaky. Things besides oak add to it. Now, oak can add complexity to a wine, but it is not the only thing. There's other things. When you get a complex wine, you look for the fruit. You look for the depth of the wine, how it stays in the mouth, how it gives the texture in the mouth, how it finishes, how it uh, tastes, how the all the things come together. You don't want something that's overpowering. You want something that's balanced. And this is something that one, our, our guests over the last three or four weeks have all said that they look for balance. And that's what's going to help in the complexity. It's going to give you a nice a nice balance in your wine. So what is complexity? It is balance. If anything, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a balanced wine, which will give you complexities. Uh, so you can pick up a glass of wine, and if you do taste the balance, it's not overpowered by the alcohol. It's not overpowered by tannins. It's not overpowered by oak. It's just you've got a good balance. You've got good flavors all the way through. It makes you want to do another sip. You're looking at a complex wine. And also, too, if you, you want to use another word, Besides, uh, this wine is complex. Try saying after you swirl the glass and say, oh, this wine is complex. Swirl it again and taste it again and say very detailed. And that will also make people go ooh and ah to your knowledge. So complexity, that is a word that's used quite often to describe wines. Very complex. Okay. Um, ah, let me jump back here and find a couple more things that I want to tell you about. And that was on there. There we go. The appeals court has ignored the Supreme Court of the United States' ruling. Okay, now, now we've, this is, this is crazy. This is going on and on. I wish the, 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 I wish they just let us sell our wine everywhere and not mess with us. Okay, so lower courts have said that, well, the Supreme Court ruled that you can't restrict shipping wine across state lines. 
that's you, you can't do that. They've opened up the states to outside retailers. That was a big thing on um, six months ago, uh, not quite back in February, about five, five and a half months ago. They made that ruling and the rule that the states cannot discriminate out of state wine retailers. Okay, that was basically the thing. Now, it's possible the Supreme Court might have to rule on that again. And they probably won't go into it real soon. I mean, they just ruled on it. And they're saying, what the heck? We just ruled on this. Why do we have to do it again? So what has happened is that consumers in Michigan and Ohio are being, well, being discriminated against, basically, is what it's all about. They won't be able to order wine from retail stores in other states. Currently, consumers in Ohio can do so, but Michigan cannot. And these states rank 10th and 12th in the country, Michigan being 10th and Ohio being 12th in wine markets. So to go on, it's also possible that the Supreme Court justices who voted for out-of-state retailers in last year's landmark ruling may be a little pissed off that a federal court of appeals, which is one rank below them, directly contradicted its ruling. And you're thinking, well, isn't the Supreme Court the final judgment? Isn't the Supreme Court? Yeah, I always thought so, too. So they may wish to smite <laughs> I love this article here. They may wish to smite the appeals court with a verbal spanking. Okay, but that would mean that they would have to take this case again. And back in January the they said that they wanted to avoid the case back then. And so that was one of the reasons why the broad ruling uh, in the case in January about Tennessee was so broad is because they don't like doing those cases. They would rather not. And so now Michigan and Ohio have stated, no, you can't ship into the state because the lower court has ruled that they can stop it. So what's going to happen? We don't know. Uh, it's <laughs> it's an ongoing thing. It, it just, it, it's, it really is ridiculous, I think. I mean, we've been, we've been battling this back and forth ever since a prohibition. And it was turned back over to the states to make these rules and to do it. And whenever they start doing something really stupid, it appeals all the way to the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court makes a ruling and everybody either goes yay or boo and they make it work from there. This is the first time that a lower court has ruled against the Supreme Court and states that they can't ship in other states. So, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's still out there. We thought that it was over back in January. Everybody was cheering, everybody in the wine business, anyway, was cheering that at last the Supreme Court ruled that you can't discriminate, you can't stop out-of-state retailers, and everything was looking good and everything was wonderful, and then the Federal Court of Appeals in this district said, no, wait a minute. We can't ship into other states. Michigan was one of the states that lost, and now they're ruling that they can't ship to other states. So, it's an ongoing thing. I told you back in January when the Supreme Court ruled that it's back to the states, and I'll keep you informed of what's going on. Well, you're informed, and we still don't know what's going on. We'll find out if uh, the Supreme Court of the United States will 
rehear this, and you know how long it takes them to hear any case. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to rule on this, and it was first presented to them in 1987, and they're finally getting, you know, I mean, it's almost that bad. It's, you know, it's not. So we'll see what's going on, and I will continue to keep you informed as much as I can, as much as I can find out as we're going through this. Uh, if you live in Michigan or if you live in Ohio, I'm sorry, but you can't have anything shipped to you from other states yet. That may change, though. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So there we go. We are done for another week. <laughs> yep, and it, it changes constantly. And, it does. Uh, it's it's amazing how this is. I mean, it's same thing with uh, the health benefits or lack of uh, that changes pretty much constant. So oh, just, yeah. it, I don't know what they're, what they're playing, but uh, anyway, yeah, next week it, it'll be uh, unhealthy again. And um, they just keep yeah. battling it out one way or, you know, that's it. Um, okay. We are had some heavy storms come through here. I had to put the alert on the uh, scroller there, but uh, man, what a mess. I, I was like, here we go. We're going to be disconnected here and stayed on. So good thing. We um, we had ours right before the show started. So, uh, uh, you know, I, it, it, it avoided me. I mean, it just about six thirty <laughs> it went through here and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to connect. Wow. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, it always, it's always around show time. I'm going to have to contact a meteorologist and tell them to reschedule our storms because it, it always idea. seems to happen around between 30 to 8 o'clock. You know, and yes. then after this, it'll be uh, clear skies again. So it's like, the, yeah, it's just nice now. It's, it's, you know, it really is. It's, <laughs> it looks nice out there now. No, no sprinkles or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but boy, yeah, I it, know. It, it, I'll, I'll get a hold of, uh, I'll get a hold of Channel 13. He sent me, you know, oh, keeps me yeah. posted on Facebook. I'll let him know. To, let let's change yeah. this pattern. Well, all good about that. Tell him, you know, your golf day. You don't want it to rain on, on a thunderstorm yeah. on your golf day, and then you know, tell him. Oh, by the way, every Thursday, you know, kind of slide that every, in if you can. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. That's a good helpful. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm put enough on it. <laughs> uh, we have enough issues getting on, getting on streaming and everything. <laughs> uh, so. Um, had a, uh, a shout out, and uh, this was a this was a, a cool surprise. But I actually had a chat uh, from Sky Blue Radio. Wow! Oh, really? I was like what? <laughs> yeah, they popped in uh. on uh, Facebook. So uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm not sure if that was JT or who, but uh, uh, Sky Blue Radio there uh, uh, jumped in and said, uh, you know, great, and uh, that was it. So uh, thank you for for joining us there on chat and. Um, I will be on there Saturday morning. Now my my times have changed, so seven nine. Yeah, for, the, for those of you who aren't familiar, Mike does a uh, radio oh. show weekly on Sky Blue Radio, and it's what SkyBlue dot com yeah. or SkyBlueRadio dot com. Uh, Sky SkyBlueRadio dot com. And okay. Yeah, thank you. It was on Thursday mornings, and well, because things have changed now, I'm going to be on Saturday mornings. Uh, so I'll be up. Uh, you know, and they, they don't have the good cartoons on anymore, so you can listen. Uh, no, that's what they I don't. do. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't. So, yeah. so listen to my kids. It's, 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 it's almost as good as the old cartoons, but, you know, it's uh, – and you can talk yeah. with them and, and request songs and all sorts yeah. of stuff. So 7 to 9, yeah. Sky Blue Radio, yeah. Sense. Yeah, you can Thank you me. can join, no cost, join and yeah. get on chat with him that's and everything good. else. So. Yeah, thank you. Um, we will uh, thank you. We will close the show and uh, for now, and we'll be back uh, July thirtieth, the last show of the month. And um, yeah, that's uh, Thursday, July thirtieth. Wow. Uh, we will wow. see you all then, and uh, have a great week and be safe. And um, you know, do what you got to do, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. Definitely stay safe. And drink responsibly, and we'll see you next week. Yep, thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com.
Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.